Welcome to the Eat Out podcast, an extension of our Facebook communities, bringing together food lovers from all over Spain and beyond to share the best places to eat and drink. I'm Valentina, your host, and I cannot wait for you to listen to what I have in store. I hope you're not hungry. In this season's episodes, I will be talking to our community members and business owners in Madrid about who they are, why they have a passion for food, and how they are coping during the coronavirus outbreak and much more. On today's episode, I'm joined by Dale Lewis, owner of the Beard and Whisk Bakery, specializing in American and British style made-to-order baking. Find out how he was forced unexpectedly to spend time at home in 2017, allowing him to experiment in the kitchen to starting a business from home, making custom cakes and bakes for any occasion, even those with fondant donkeys on top. Hi, Dale. Thank you for joining me today on our podcast. How are you? Hi, Valentina. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. The sun is out and I'm enjoying what to me is summer, but I think it's very much spring here in Madrid. Oh, I know. I was walking down the street earlier with a a bag of heavy shopping and I was like, it's going to get so much hotter than this, but <laughs> you got to appreciate it while we have it, at least. Exactly. So tell us a little bit about yourself and the Beard and Whisk Bakery. Definitely. So my name's Dale. I'm from England. I moved to Madrid a couple of years ago in 2016. I moved here and like a lot of expats here, started off teaching English, going through the whole process of assistant in the classroom. And while doing that, I discovered a massive passion of mine was baking. And also you know, that was mainly fueled by the fact that I couldn't find any great cake that reminded me of home around in the city. So I turned that passion into the bakery, the Beard and Whisk Bakery. And that's been going ever since it's around 2017. Now I'm intrigued with the name is there a story behind this name? There is and there isn't so I was listening to another podcast actually of a baker who I really like called Gemma she runs Crumbs and Doilies Bakery in London and she was saying how she struggled for ages trying to find the right name for a bakery and she tried all these different things and some of them were super contrived some of them were just awful combinations (laughs) And I was like, oh God, I can't put too much thought into this. This is the worst. This is going to be so difficult. And then I think I was at a bus stop going to give a private class at like seven o'clock in the evening. And I just had this vision of one day having this bakery where there was all salvaged wood, glass shelves, super earthy. And it just came, like everything came together in my head. And the name that was there was the Beard and Whisk. And I don't know, it felt kind of serendipitous, I guess, but I just stuck with it, around with it. I must admit, when I did see the name, I thought maybe he has a beard. Yes. And that was the reason. <laughs> yeah, did have a beard. Unfortunately, at the moment, it's gone for coronavirus reasons. To get mm. those masks to fit properly, I've had to sacrifice it. But yeah, definitely that came from <laughs> from back then, the beard days. Is this something that you've been into since you were younger and baking with your parents? Or was it really just not finding the right cake and you said to yourself, I'm going to make them. It was a mixer of all of that, really. I've been baking my whole life. I really enjoyed baking with my mum when I was younger. We used to bake in the kitchen together, make cakes and cookies. And what I really loved about that was that you can take that anywhere with you in the world. So I've lived in a couple of places, not just Madrid. And one thing you can take with you is your cuisine. So I brought that to Madrid and it was the winter of 2017. I got really, really ill, very, very sick. I got pneumonia. Um, and I couldn't leave the house. I couldn't do anything at all. I could barely stand up. 
And that actually was a benefit to me because I lived in a really small apartment with a really small kitchen. I didn't have to walk across the kitchen or anything. I just turned around and I was there. And I thought, what can I do in this time? I can't do anything else. What can I do to use up all this time without just sitting on the sofa and doing nothing? So I finally opened up all those videos I've been saving of amazing cakes and amazing bakes that I wanted to do and had to always put on the back burner and finally did it. I gained a lot of kilos, so did my partner. It was something to do. And I realized that actually it was something I really wanted to do going forward. Wow, that's a story right there. Can you remember (laughs) what the very first thing that you baked was? I can't remember the very first thing, but I know the very first thing that I sold in Madrid was a red velvet cupcake filled with Reese's Pieces filling, (gasps) salted caramel, and cream cheese frosting. And it was the most extravagant thing I'd ever made at that point. Oh my God, is that even a cupcake anymore? I know. That's a full-on cake. (laughs) It was something. It was something in its own realm. Wow. Did somebody ask you for that particular type of cake or is that something you just came up with? Yep, someone said, these are the things I love. Can you make it work? And I said, yeah, sure. I'll give you all of that. (laughs) That was before I learned to really refine things down. (laughs) That's incredible. Have you ever had anyone ask you to put ingredients within a cake that you thought was very strange? Not necessarily ingredients that I thought were strange, but I did have a very strange request once for a birthday cake. It turned out amazing and it looked so beautiful, but they wanted an orange colored cake that tasted of bananas and had a donkey on top. I was like, okay, I'll do that. (laughs) I did. And it turned out great. It turned out really great. They were really happy with it. Those three different words are just so far from each other. (laughs) Yeah. But if it turned out great, it just shows you that some weird and wonderful requests can turn out to be actually really good things. And if you're willing to put it together and try it, the sky's the limit. Definitely. I finally learned how to make a fondant donkey (laughs) of all the things you think you're never going to say. Well, you never know when you might need to make another one. (laughs) With baking, I'm not much of a baker. I know that you have to be quite precise with the ingredients. You can't just throw in a little bit of flour, a few eggs. I don't even know right now why I'm even moving my hands. This is not even a video. (laughs) How important is it to follow a recipe and the different sizes or cups or grams of different ingredients when baking? There are some fundamentals that you have to follow. As you get more familiar with ingredients, that's when you get the confidence of substituting things and changing things around and creating your own recipes. So at the very beginning, I was sticking rigorously to recipes, getting to the gram amounts of flour and baking powder and making sure I had the large eggs and not the medium eggs. But then as time goes by and you get to know how things work, then you can get that freedom. And it doesn't always work. I tried to make some lemon cookies the other day that didn't work at all. Tasted great, but just did not work. But it's all a learning curve. So I think if you get the fundamentals down, the sky's the limit. Yeah, definitely. Where is your bakery located? So I'm a home baker. Everything I do is custom made at the moment. Um, I am looking to move out into a bigger space so I can fulfill more orders um, as people get more and more requests coming in. So right now it's Madrid based. And what kind of things can people order? So I can make a lot of different things. I really enjoy making made to order cakes, cupcakes, cookies, brownies, as you want really. Custom made is my niche. So when people say I want this specific thing for this specific event, I will make it as they want it. Sometimes to the T with a donkey on top. (laughs) (laughs) So we're talking 
birthday cakes, wedding cakes. Exactly. Celebration cakes, cupcakes, cookies. I've just made an amazing range of New York style cookies, which I can't wait to launch on Monday, actually, um, when we enter phase one. Very exciting. Brownies and, of course, seasonal pies. I think it's fair to say everyone looks forward to pumpkin pie season here in Madrid. Oh, definitely. And I also understand that you can make vegan and gluten-free desserts as well. Yes, exactly. That was one of the things that was really important to me. I have vegan friends. I have friends that can't eat gluten. And I love sharing food. I think it's one of the best things about making cake is sharing cake. So I don't want to make something that not everyone can share. So if people can tell me ahead of time, hey, make this gluten-free, or hey, it'd be great if this was vegan, I'm all over that. Yeah, I think that's really important. I think now, in the last couple of years, maybe, that vegan, gluten-free, and those that have dietary requirements have really kind of come out into the industry. I know here in Madrid, the vegan scene in Madrid has just kind of blown up. And even gluten-free, I've seen lots of different bakeries offering different things. I think it's really important to cater for different dietary requirements. Absolutely. And I think before people used to see it as a difficulty, people used to see it as an inconvenience trying to make something match a different dietary requirement. Whereas I see that as a challenge. I'm like, great, well, I know I have this killer banana bread recipe. How can I make it vegan so that everyone can enjoy it? And I think if you change your mindset, then everyone wins, really. So we are in a time right now where things are different to normal. How are you coping during this time? Have you been open and taking orders and delivering cakes? Great question. So right now I've been taking pre-orders. I made the decision to fully close down and stop operations while we're in lockdown, just for everyone's safety. My safety, people I'm interacting with safety. I don't want any kind of risk for the people that I'm making cakes for. I'm delivering cake to them. I don't want to ruin their day by getting someone sick, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I've made the difficult decision to stop production completely until we enter phase one. Which we've actually just heard is going to be on Monday. I think that's been confirmed. Exactly. So we are very excited here in Madrid. I know that this podcast is going out after the Monday has come, but it's been I think 11 or 12 weeks now. And on Monday, we are going to be able to do a little bit more than we were before. So what does this mean for you? So this means that people can now order cakes, cookies, anything they want, and I can deliver it. So there's no more pre-ordering. Now we can go on business as usual, more or less, with more masks, more gloves, more of everything, but more cake as well. Of course, that's important. And how long does it usually take for you to make a custom cake? I know that every cake is different, but in general, if somebody was listening and was looking to put in an order for a cake, how long kind of a time frame do they need to give you? Yeah, so I ask for a minimum four days notice at least, and that's before I can even confirm anything. I need that time to check for ingredients because some things are very specific. Check for boxes to get the delivery down to make sure that I can fulfill the order. So four days is my requirement, minimum requirement. Obviously, the more time you can give me, the better. Give me a week, give me two weeks notice, and it's easier for me for them as well. Perfect. Now, I've got a personal question for you. Do you have a favorite cake or cookie or baked good that you love to make out of everything that you make? Something that I love to make is brownies or brownie. Ooh. I know there's contention over how that's said between the British and the Americans, <laughs> um, but making a pan of brownies is so satisfying to see something that's 
a liquid that's completely nothing to see with what it turns out as turned to this thick, gooey, fudgy tray of just chocolatey deliciousness. Uh, it's so satisfying and it photographs really well as well. So you look amazing on Instagram while you eat it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. I have never made brownies, but brownies are... Never. Well, I'm not a baker. <laughs> and that just to me seems really complicated. The closest I've got to baking is when I was younger and in the UK we'd have these cupcake mix boxes where it gives you everything yeah and you put like thomas the tank engine sugar paper on top <laughs> yeah well, that's the closest i've got oh my gosh i love those boxes i used to use those when i was a kid as well they just had everything you needed and it was a great rainy day kind of activity and then my mom used to get pick a mix and put those on top instead of the sugar paper you got in the box and it was so fancy at the time oh there you go customized cupcakes for you <laughs> and i actually remember at school we used to do bake sales i don't even know if they do those anymore and i used to take these cakes in and people used to go crazy for them because they'd never seen harry bows on top of cupcakes and i used to sell them for 20p the 20p economy the 20p cake oh they just taste the best don't they i used to make so much money and in hindsight <laughs> now that's nothing is it <laughs> Well, right now, every little helps. <laughs> yeah, every little helps. You're very true. You love to make brownies, but what do you love to eat? Because maybe that's different. Is your favorite dessert different to the one that you love to make? Yeah, my favorite dessert is actually something that I struggle to make. Something that I really battle with is a baked cheesecake. Ooh. I have a knack of splitting my cheesecake. You take out the oven, there's a big crack in the middle of it, and it's no longer beautiful and i mean everything can be covered with chocolate or with sauce that's fine but a really good baked cheesecake is it's just delicious yeah i can imagine taking something out and it not being perfect very frustrating yeah <laughs> but as you said you can always cover it with sauce or fruit or anything really and then just eat it very quickly and you won't even remember exactly the beauty of a baked cheesecake is it's kind of the, the starting block for wherever you want to go for me my favorite dessert is black forest gateau Ooh. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. I was brought up to the ones that you buy in the supermarket in the freezer section and you do frosting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But since then, and finding out that you don't have to buy them frozen, you can actually get them fresh. I had, for my 30th birthday, the biggest Black Forest Gateau I could find. And it was from a bakery in London called Patisserie Valerie. Oh, yeah, I know. I only really went with that bakery because it sounded like my name and I thought it was meant to be. <laughs> it was the best cake I think I've ever had. It had the Kirschk liqueur. Oh, my gosh. And the cream and the chocolate cake. For anyone listening to these podcasts, if you haven't listened to one of these before, I'd advise for you to get some snacks whilst listening to this because... It really does make you hungry. We're talking about cake, but and all I just want right now is just a whole table full of cakes that I can just eat. I can almost taste the, the chocolate cake you're describing. The, I know, right? The gatto. And I'm actually doing a low-carb, low-sugar diet right now. So my brain is like, give me cake. <laughs> we actually just made a sugar-free carrot cake yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah, me and my partner made it. He's very into healthy food, real fooding. He's Spanish, so that strange combination of... English words it's actually a Spanish thing and yeah sugar-free carrot cake it's a little bit strange like I said earlier I would play around with the recipe I wouldn't stick to it as religiously as he did but it turned out good it make a nice breakfast cake breakfast cake I've never heard that saying before I mean if it's sugar-free and for breakfast in my books <laughs> well yeah that's true 
Luckily for me, tomorrow is my cheat day. So I am getting all ready to eat as much sugar and as many carbs as I can. And it will include cake. Won't be as good of a cake as you could make, but it will do. And once I can order one, I will definitely be taking you up on that. Absolutely. Now that we have been going through this situation, the future of eating out and ordering and just socializing in general is going to completely change. Do you have any thoughts on how you see the future of eating out in Madrid particularly? I'm really interested to see how the future looks. A lot of the places I'm sure you know and a lot of people listening will know in Madrid, these are elbow to elbow places that you go into. The food scraps are on the floor, the used napkins are on the floor and that isn't going to fly in the new normal. So I'm really intrigued to see how it's going to look and if it still has the same feel, if it still feels like eating out in Madrid or if it feels like eating out somewhere else. I don't know how it's going to change but I'm really interested to see. Yeah, me too. We were having a conversation in Eat Out Madrid about the use of the mask. And obviously now it's mandatory to wear a mask. How are people going to navigate wearing the mask and eating and drinking? How does that look like? And there were so many different opinions and responses. And it's just so interesting to see people coming up with different ideas. I've even seen a mask that someone's created that has a button that you press and the mask opens so you can then put your fork in and eat and it closes after. Oh my gosh, that sounds like a lot of work. That sounds like a lot of coordination. (laughs) Right? And that's the thing with eating out, especially in Madrid, is that we're constantly eating and drinking when we're out with people sharing different tapas and rations and How are we going to deal with that now? I think a big factor of eating out in Madrid is eating out isn't very often eating alone. It's usually sharing a meal, sharing even a plate of food together, dipping the same hands into a bowl of chips. And that's not going to be encouraged, (laughs) let's say. That's not going to be how it is going forward, I think. Maybe everyone will have their own little bowl of chips, which would be interesting because then you eat all of yours and you look over to your friend and she's not touched it and you want to grab one, but you can't. It's going to be like a game of who finishes (laughs) theirs first. Maybe it's the start of tasting plates. Madrid takes on the new, everyone gets a tasting plate of everything. That could be a way forward. I also think maybe the menu Dordia, which is huge here in Madrid, may take off even more because usually when people order menu Dordia, they get their own plates of everything. Are people going to go towards that instead of ordering things to share? Definitely. That's a really good point. Yeah. It's going to be quite sad though if we can't share things with others because that's just something we've been used to for so long. And the culture of Spain. Definitely. And hopefully these are just measures we have to take for the immediate future, not for forever future. Yeah, fingers crossed. Now going on with eating out, do you get to eat out a lot? I try. I try as much as I can. I used to work for a company in Madrid, a food tour company called Devour Tours. And one of the great things about that was everyone in the office loves food. So we tried to eat out in our lunch breaks. We tried to meet up after work and eat out together. So I got to try a lot of places around the city. And do you have any favourites? Is that yeah. a hard question? <laughs> it's a really hard question. There's so many great places from tiny tapas bars to bigger places to delis that only serve one or two different things and their specialty dishes. But I'd say my favorite you know, international food, well, the international twisted food, would be ramen shifu. Um, they have the most incredible ramen in Madrid, in my opinion. They have a place in Barrio Las Letras, Barrio Huertas. It's incredible. It's super, super 
authentic and they use really high quality ingredients so it's great really delicious that's going out out and if we're at home and we just want to order some food in we can't bother to cook which happened the other day my favorite place is empanadish which is ah. a venezuelan empanada place they don't have any physical places to eat it's only takeout and all of our venezuelan friends recommend it so that's really delicious must check that out because my husband's from venezuela and we've actually been making empanadas here during the lockdown a lot of us have got more familiar with kitchens Definitely, but yeah. <laughs> it's getting to the point where you know we're losing a lot of motivation i know i am and we want to have that restaurant quality food that's cooked by somebody else and luckily there's a lot of places that are offering delivery which is great. So uh, yeah, I must add that one to our list. I have one last question that's come to my mind. Do you feel that Madrid is missing any type of cuisine or maybe a restaurant that you have experienced in a different place that you wish there was here? I'm putting you on the spot now. That's a great question. For me, international bakery, international baking, and I'm not plugging myself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean like, you know, German style baking. Uh, Danish style baking pastries not just the Spanish style baking is delicious and you can find traditional Spanish bakeries all over the city but you can't really find that many internationally geared bakeries and I think I'd, I'd like to see that and there's definitely the, the communities here with people who have those skills so I'd like to see that yeah no definitely I'd never thought of that before and it just shows that there is a market for different things here and as you say there is a lot of people here that are from those countries the mix of nationalities here in Madrid is just incredible you walk down the street and you hear a different accent or a different language and there must be people missing out on these things so maybe this is something that you can do or maybe if someone's listening it's another dragon's den idea as I say <laughs> to come up with another concept here in Madrid because every day, aside to this situation, you see different concepts popping up everywhere. Exactly. It's incredible. And that's how I got my start is that I couldn't find British style birthday cake anywhere. So if someone else has got the skills to go and make all the delicious German breads and German pastries, open it up, start it because I'll yeah. be client number one. Or even just start it at home like you did. And as I was speaking to Tamara from Mazal, start it at home and you never know. Within a year or two, you have a brick and mortar place and the rest is history. Exactly. All right. Well, can you tell us now where people can find you on the different social media, how they can get in touch with you to order a cake for their next celebration? Yep. So people can find me by searching The Beard and Whisk Bakery on Instagram and on Facebook um, on both platforms. And I communicate through both of them, use both of them. And I'm just launching my website now, uh, last night, actually, which is thebeardandwhisk.com. Perfect. So if you're listening and you think I need a cake, even if you're not celebrating, you just celebrate that's like Monday, for example, get in touch with Dale and he will put a custom cake for you and you can happily share it with other people or you could just eat it to yourself, which is what I probably would do. And then order a second one to share with other people. Definitely. That would be my top tip. All right, Dale. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. And I can't wait to hang out and share some cake when we're allowed to in the near future. Yes, definitely. I cannot wait. I hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode. If you did, please share this with your friends and family. In the meantime, if you're not already part of our communities on Facebook, feel free to join us at facebook.com forward slash eatoutglobal, where you'll find all the links to the six different groups we have in Spain. 
to connect with other food lovers and share your favourite places to eat and drink in these cities. Speaking of which, I'm getting hungry, so I'll see you next time. Thank you.